Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. It's episode 185 of the uh, This is a special politics-themed episode. We usually steer away from politics for good reason for all of our other episodes. We'll get back to that next time. <laughs> we wanted to get all of, our, all of it out of our system in one show. So uh, Clarence is not here. He will be... <laughs> He's, he's shooting, shooting deer, deer in the face at this point. He's napping in the woods, actually. Rats with hooves, rats uh, with hooves. Go so kill them all. Instead of having Clarence here, uh, we've got uh, Mr. Zach Floyd, special guest. Hi, guys. How are you? Episode, is this your second, third, fourth? Technically my third. I was at the Aaron Gleeman Christmas extravaganza. Oh, oh boy. The murder basement. The, the metal yeah. machine music. Yeah, so no one's actually of, heard, heard yeah, that episode. And, and then the second one, we had audio problems, <laughs> too. The second one, yes. So both... <laughs> This might, you might find this hard to believe, but both of my appearances have been plagued by <laughs> weird audio issues. I know. So strange. And our special guest number two is Mr. David Brower. Hello. Hi, sir. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, Media Gadfly. I'm happy to be here. Media Gadfly. Is that your official title? Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever Election you want judge? Uh, I am. I am. Actually, technically for the moment, until t- Tuesday I'm an election judge. For now, I am a temporary city clerk. So Temper- fear me. <laughs> I part Fear clear. me. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else My favorite onion uh, thing ever, and it's just because of who I am, is uh, um, City Councilman Unearth's Mystical Zoning Amulet. And, <laughs> and it, trust me, Google it. It is, it is hysterical. So we are recording this on the Saturday before the election on a street corner on 19th and Riverside in Minneapolis. <laughs> outside uh, the we're at, literally bar. on a street corner outside the Viking bar. We like to be inside the Viking but bar. But it's really but loud it, inside it, the somebody's Viking Somebody's beatboxing right in there. And <laughs> There's so. a dude playing records to literally yeah. no one inside yeah. the Viking bar. Yeah, it's, all so white people, it's all white people going, could you turn it down? And Could you turn it down, It's just please. the way it goes. Could you turn it down? We want to watch the Gophers do whatever they're doing. So it's important to mention that it's Saturday because who on earth knows what's going to happen in the next three days before the election. Um, but I did have a few questions that I want to get out. So just a quick disclaimer on my end. I don't pay attention to politics uh, at all. I'm sort of flagrantly ignorant, uh, almost pridefully, which I shouldn't be. But so you're I, a Trump voter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pay attention to politics, and I don't talk about politics, and I don't really tweet about politics very much. Wow. So I have a lot of questions that I just wanted to get off my chest, okay. and I'm wondering if um, you guys can help answer answer some of them. So... 
I've got seven questions. We'll see how many we get to. Okay. Uh, okay. The first one. Um, so the question I have is, it seems to be sort of a prevailing opinion or something at least I've heard a lot um, in this election and just sort of overall in my life that we are what people say a center-right country. Mm-hmm. Um, my first question is, do you believe that, if that's true or not? And if this, if, if this election was flipped and it was like, a crazy person on the left and like a regular old oh, I love that lifelong question. politician on the right. So for me, I think my, the way I'm trying to envision this is what if the election was Mitt Romney versus Alec Baldwin or <laughs> Bill Maher uh, or Al- Keith Olbermann? One of those, those are my three that I think are close to like the, the flip side of Donald Trump on the a left celebrity side. Left. So I have contradicted. A celebrity lefty that's not really into politics, but has always sort of talked about them, and a lot of people on that side would sort of roll their eyes, like, oh my god, I can't Michael believe this guy is... Versus, Michael, Moore, Michael Moore versus uh, Mitt, Mitt Romney. Romney. Yeah. So, so if we were going to flip it around, yep. do you think that the election would be as close as this, sort of no. denying that, no. that no. truth? It would be a blowout. And, and what's really interesting about the way you frame those questions is I think we aren't a center-right country. I actually think we're a center-center country. Um, I mean, the way the Republicans are staying in power in Congress is basically terrific gerrymandering, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, screwing up the districts uh, in the states they control so that they get more Congress. Uh, And so that indicates to me there's some worry about where the people of the country really stand. And remember, we're getting more diverse every time. And Diversity tends to breed Democrats uh, more than Republicans. So I I would take issue with the center-right thing. But the flip of that, the inconsistency in my view on that is I think if it was a nut job Democrat versus a mainstream Republican, this race would be 20, 30 points. Long over. Long, long over. I also think that, but I also wonder if the counter of that is, is that just something we say as well-meaning liberals of like, oh, I'm not beholden to my party whatsoever. I would flip in a heartbeat if it was that choice and if that's actually true or not. Like, are we just saying that to make ourselves? I sometimes say that to myself. Be like, oh man, I would, I would have no problem being. I think we're, I think Republicans I in general are more willing to follow the leader. They're sort of more authoritarian-minded personality, whereas Democrats kind of wander around and bump into walls. Uh-huh. Uh, but I will say this: I've thought about this many times in this election campaign. What if it was a um, Democrat? who was abhorrent to me. And I, I don't, I, I'm not going to throw a name out because I can't think of one right now. But Democrat, uh, Well, that would be more of a centrist. <laughs> Eat that, going the, wrong, yeah. going the wrong way. But He's like, a fan of the podcast, like, so if, we what, know that he's going like, to get that message. If, that's going to sting Lieberman bad. Yeah. Let, let me put it this way. Yeah, my favorite what, if there was, what if there was a Democrat who uh, I did not trust to have the finger on the nuclear button, but would get me Supreme Court justices, would keep preserve voting rights, would do a whole bunch of really good things. Like, I'm a big believer that you don't just elect a president, you elect a government, you elect a National Labor Relations Board that can protect legitimate union rights. What would I do in that situation? I hope I would have enough guts to be the never-Trump version of the Democrats, but I would have to think long and hard about that. So, Michael Moore, you would vote for him over Romney? Jill Stein. I'm going to go with Jill Stein in that. No, no, I don't know. I, I, I mean, yeah. It, yeah, Michael Moore would be, I mean, on some things he'd be really good, right? And on other things, I don't know. He'd have to, see, this is hard. I don't know. 
it, I'd have to think of the whole Michael Michael Moore package. It's I strange. trust Michael Moore with a nuclear button because I don't think he'll be able to find it. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's that's where we go from there. It'll be under a hat. Joel Lieberman, though, part it's always under a hat. Joel Lieberman would be really hard. And actually, it's one of the reasons I didn't support Hillary in the in the primary campaigns because. She is a warmonger, mm-hmm. and Bernie isn't. And I've got, uh, you know, I think philosophically, I, I don't want a warmonger, but also I have a 19-year-old son who I really don't want to be drafted at some point if we go insane and do that again. And so, you know, I've never voted for Hillary Clinton until I voted for, you know, Monday when I cast my absentee ballot. So, like, I don't think I'm ignorant about what her shortcomings are. I'm old enough now where I don't have to say, like, my team is right or wrong. Um, but compared to the alternative, which is crazy person, um, it was an easy vote to cast. I do think that, so a lot of the um, people that I follow on Twitter, I, I'm glad you guys are all sitting down for this, uh, are liberals. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's you right? guys. It's all of our friends. and it's, Zach's kind of played his cards close to the vest on this one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's, there uh, was I'm one a... vote in your classroom for Donald Trump. That's true. So, yes, there was. Yeah, never know. Tell me about that kid. Was this a, uh, his parents are really conservative too, or was it a, uh, he's a smart ass and he really knows how to get under your skin? Joey! It was, it was totally Joey, anonymous, and to answer that question, I honestly have no idea. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was a squeaker. Uh, Hillary went out 21 to 1. <laughs> Very close. Went came right down to the last, uh, last minute. I got lambasted by somebody on Twitter found I just tweeted a picture of the of the vote tally and a guy from suburban milwaukee found it and <laughs> Which is a very liberal place yes uh, was it sheriff david clark it was not <laughs> sheriff david clark uh he was too busy making, making memes. memes yeah Captain. and wearing a hat, going going to the hat store yep. maga uh, maga no a guy a guy found it and he said that <laughs> something along the lines of oh classic mondale prep academy <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to find a... That hurt. Yeah, that hurt really a lot. Hurt. You didn't see that and hurt. Joel Lieberman gets and he, you back. And he said public school, and then he put public in quotes. Government school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he really... He, 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 got, he got us good. He got us good. No, I've done everything I can in my room to, to not... To be... You know, not tip my hand at all, because I, I've... You know, I've told my kids... They, they need to make their own decisions about these things. And my kids asked. While I wearing told them, your I'm with her t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I told my kids I voted early, and they said... They asked me, you know, for who? And I said, I'm not going to tell you because I want you guys to, yeah, to make up your right own on. minds. And, Teacher of the um, Yeah. So, I mean, it's the, the, the distaste for Mr. Trump in my classroom has been quite palpable. So uh, I don't need, to, I don't need to, <laughs> to ask them too many probing questions. I've heard many conversations over the breakfast line. That, my uh, my 16-year-old daughter is completely scared. Like she goes to a, she goes to a very diverse uh, Minneapolis high school, and you know she, she grew up with us, and we're both really liberal, and we're both really scared of Trump. But to hear it come out of her mouth in her, she's smart enough now where stuff that comes out of her mouth is her own stuff. And I didn't really realize because she doesn't talk about it very much the depths of her fright because her friends are Somali and Asian and everything. And it really struck me, like it really brought it home. So, you know, back to your question about what would I do if a Democrat was as crazy as Trump? 
they would have to be like a racist Democrat. Yeah. That would have to be like a big part of what would make me go, holy shit. Like if, if I was voting for a racist versus some Republican who's not racist, that would be like, that would be, I don't know how I could do that. Like right. that goes right again. That's a core belief. I think if you're voting for him, you have to, you know, again, you have to be fundamentally okay with racism, sexism. I mean, all the things that, you know, all the insane things that, that he's on record as saying, you have to be fundamentally okay with that, which, like you said, you're, not, you're never going to do. It's not going to happen. So. One phase I'm in mentally right now is like a pre-bargaining phase. Oh, yeah. I've been there. Yeah. So, like, I'm... If it happens, I'm trying to make myself already feel better about it, so I'm prepared mentally, you know? And uh, and one thing that I remember reading an interview uh, in G- the GQ interview with President Obama, he's like, one thing I didn't realize when I became president was how decentralized all this is and how little power a president actually has at times. You know, he's asked for, like, for gun control, for example, like 20 different pitches that he's tried to get through, and it just hasn't gone anywhere. He's like, I don't have any control over that, so I can't get as much done as I wanted to get done or people think can get done as a president. I've uh, reread that a couple times to make myself be like, there may be just a thing where neither of them do as much as they... None of, nobody does what they say they're going to do just in any of these sort of I things. But I'm pretty worried because Obama for good and for bad, has expanded executive power and issued a lot of executive orders. Okay. And I think he's, as presidents always do, Republican or Democrat, they always try to broaden the power of the presidency. And he's done it with a lot of things that I've supported, but I also recognize that it's kind of an unchecked power and it's mm. an expansive power. And the danger of it, I've thought a lot about it over the last four years, especially the danger of it is you get somebody like Donald Trump in he has precedent. He can do uh, a lot of things, put a lot of, of, of strictures in. He can get rid of a lot of protection, equal protection under the law, protections for federal employees, you know, things like that. With that minimum, a Republican House. Right. Well, there and, won't be any, yeah. you know, and if he wins, there'll be a Republican Senate. Too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Just straight up the power to direct the Justice Department to enforce this, don't enforce that is a huge power. And we saw that with. I mean, theoretically, President Obama. theoretically, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Um, I mean, that's why Richard Nixon lost a couple of uh, he's lost his attorney general when he uh, during Watergate. This but, is why we need David here, because he remembers Nixon. But, I'm, <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I mean, Richard Nixon was the big reason Watergate was the reason I became a journalist. I was 14 that summer that they had the hearings uh, with uh, Sam Irvin from North Democrat from North Carolina. And to just watch it happen because of journalism, like bring a president to heel, and then the political realm, including the Republicans, frankly, came around to it and impeached him. That was like, that was so cool to me that, like, you didn't have to run for office and be elected, but you could influence things theoretically for the better. Uh, that I'm part of a, of a class of people like my age and probably four years older, maybe, so 57 to 61 eight years old. That that we we became journalists because of Watergate, and now we're unemployed because things suck because of the internet. Well, that did not help my bargaining that I had done mentally. Yeah, guys. you can't you made bargain. it so much uh, like worse it, for it, me. It, it gets to be. It gets to <laughs> be like. Sucks. It gets to be this like. Over. It, it gets to be like contemplating your own death. Like I've been down the bargaining road. Right. I've even edged 
a little bit into acceptance. Okay, all right. And then I went, holy shit, no, what the hell? Like, if I was Catholic, I would have gone to confession right away after that. Because it really, it won't work. I mean, you know, what's his name? Scott Adams, the Dilbert guy, says he'll kill Trump if he becomes Hitler. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rely on Scott Adams. Be a funny conclusion to the whole thing. <laughs> Tragic, sad, but yes. poetically. Yeah. Joey, you're. Yeah. You're Let's a, mention Joey, Joey White here. You're Twitter personality, Joey you're White. Republican, aren't you? I have a Republican past. I will not be voting for Trump. But I had an interesting thought when uh, I think Zach was was talking about what Trump supporters must have convinced themselves they. Right up next to your mouth, Joey. Next to my mouth. All right. Um, my sister was at a Trump rally yesterday. That supported Trump. <laughs> was was her Facebook post behind a news van, and she lives in Ohio, where her vote actually oh, matters. Damn. Boy. So her Facebook post is behind a news van saying they're going to the same place we're going. Trump rally, here we come. And I just commented why, and she commented why not. And so I gave a whole bunch of reasons why well. not. <laughs> Misogyny, racism, many other things. And, and I was the president of my college Republicans. Uh, and I got involved partly, this is going back about a decade, partly because I wanted to show that not all Republicans are, are assholes. Um, the guy who turned around to me in class, actually, <laughs> who, who said, why aren't you in college Republicans? We're in a political science discussion one day. And I wanted to tell him because you're an asshole. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> Instead, I got involved. The guy who turned around to me in class that day was Andy Parrish, who you may know as oh the future God. campaign Holy manager shit. for Michelle really? Bachman. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. So oh, that, was, that was the snap. guy I was trying to show our campus, hey, not all Republicans are like this guy. Um, the more I got into it, my first job out of college was campaign manager for a U.S. congressional campaign. I became the president of the College of Republicans. But the deeper and deeper I got, the more I realized it is that pervasive. It really, it really was. And this is a decade what ago. What is pervasive? The, 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 the racism, the misogyny, the sexism, all of that. It, and it goes down to the grassroots level. You know, I think people in politics have this sense that the money is the problem. It's at, in the GOP. It is at the grassroots level. Yep. So anyway, that's I why got into it with my sister. Yeah. yeah. And my sister, we took it to a direct message, you know, private message on Facebook about it. And I asked her why and, and got her. I said, you know, hey, you've got to give me some reasons here. And one of the things she said on the misogyny and racism piece was that's a bunch of media bullcrap. Wow. So so her perspective is that the media has blown it out of the water. I spent two hours at Grumpy's last night going through quotes and pasting them in <laughs> in response <laughs> while she was sleeping to say, this is the media did not make this quote up. The media did not make this quote. Up. I still haven't heard back from her. Um, but that's that's the mindset I think a lot of them have is they've resigned themselves to it and they've decided they're going to accept it. Can I? I'm curious why you became a Republican because you seem you're a good guy and, and no you, you're, you're a good guy but you're nice and, I don't and, get and it you, no you're a good guy you care about society all those things you're not a stranger other type of person can I also say AJ Kern he's tenacious on the boards too like on the glass uh, he's, a, he's amazing play, I wouldn't yeah, want to play against him I wouldn't want to play like against you Ben either, Wallace Zach. he's amazing so why did you why I mean signing up for Republicans in college is not a super hip thing to do unless I guess you went somewhere that it was. So what made you? No, I was, I mean, I was almost apologetic about it. A college campus is not a place where it's comfortable to be a Republican. Um, and I didn't get involved for a long time because of that. The reason I got involved 
was again to show, hey, not everybody with conservative you know ideals is an asshole. But what were your conservative um, ideals? That- yeah, so I mean, I grew up very conservative, fundamental Christian, um, oldest of eleven kids. You know, all the the profile. I was homeschooled. Uh-huh. The, pro- oh, okay. the profile right. was very conservative yep. to, to begin with. So there was a political ideology that I had just coming out of high school. I say high school, but it was homeschool. That that was very conservative, and okay. so I embraced sure. a lot of that initially. Just. I, that's the worldview that I you came love with. Your parents, like but that. I also had an open mind to okay, what else is out there? Um, I wound up with a column in the student newspaper. Uh, I think my junior year, and I didn't write one for my first couple of years, partly because I thought I don't want anything I say here to come back to bite me if I change my views later. <laughs> We're thinking so, about running for office. So yeah. there was already well, no, it was just a mindset of I'm young uh-huh. and I'm still forming a lot of these yep. beliefs and opinions, and who knows, things might change. But mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to. I wanted to have this mindset that it's about policy and it's about uh, getting involved and and government is politics is about policy and I realized pretty quickly that's that just wasn't true. So, who are your favorite um, members of the Republican Party today? Well, and to be clear, I'm not a Republican anymore. I, I haven't caucused with the Republicans in a while. I haven't didn't caucus this year at all with anybody. But there have to be some that and, you respect and pay attention to. And- sure, I mean. I, I, I was a I could I cast a vote for McCain and I cast a vote for Romney and I'm not gonna you know I'm not embarrassed about those votes now the Romney one I was on the fence about right. admittedly I, I was at a point even then four years ago where I walked out of the well but even then I caucused with the GOP I think that was it was either four years ago or eight years ago and it was the last time I caucused with them. And my precinct in, at the time in Burnsville was the only precinct, one of three precincts in the state of Minnesota that, that moved to remove the gay marriage piece from the state party platform. So it was a relatively so, liberal or progressive anyway. Right, which relatively. now I know it sounds backwards, but it was that Ron Paul contingency uh-huh. that brought that mindset in that said, stop talking about the social issues. Yeah, now, they, they might have been crazy Jews, on some though, other... What's they have, that? They have some problems with Jews. I just want to make... <laughs> Absolutely. No, and I'm not... Again, I'm not defending the Ron Paul movement, yep. but there was, a, there was a movement, and there is a movement from a number of people saying, let's quit talking about the social well, issues. And there's priorities. more ideological... Uh, I don't know. Consistency is maybe the wrong word because the hardest conservatives could be consistent, but there is a... a there's some genuine libertarianness to the Paul people that you can under, you, I can sympathize with. Yeah, I mean, the people that I'd say I respect right now are the people who are denouncing Trump. If yes. you, Kasich from Iowa or love from Kasich. Ohio, oh, governor yeah. of Ohio, I love the fact that he never backed down. And now, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about him. I'm not going to go endorse the guy, but I, I appreciated that he didn't back down from that endorsement. Nope. Is that the guy that. State? Ben Sass? Sassy. No way. Now, I love him more that it's pronounced Sassy. <laughs> but they, they, they are super, I mean, Sassy for sure is super conservative. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, you know, I don't want him to be president. I don't want him to get close to being president. But I will say that I didn't get a beer. Shit. Um, I'll go back in. Um, I'll you want. I got one. I will say that he is, he is principled on this and he has been consistent. And since I think, oh, I'm going to jinx it, I think Hillary's going to win on Tuesday. I think guys like that, whether they succeed in the Republican Party or not, mm-hmm. are going to be able to look at themselves in the mirror. And I think it's going to grow better with time. I mean, I think history is going to be very kind to those guys. And Sassy does get more credibility, in my opinion, for being a principled conservative, even if I disagree with 90% of because what he he's got a soul. Like he's yeah. got us. Like it, it. It. Like you put it very well, uh, Joey. I mean, I don't know how the ability to rationalize Trump 
I mean, the fact that people consider him more honest than Hillary with all of her flaws. I mean, this is a guy who's made his career <laughs> it's, lying. It's like the not difference doing anything between a compromised disappointment and a complete fucking maniac. Yeah. That's yep. all there is to it. Yep. I mean, but that's why I got out of the that's why I moved away from the GOP altogether. Not just policy. I've definitely moved to the left on a lot of policy things on health care, on, on a lot of the social issues. But it, it, more than that, it was watching the party, this evangelical conservative that that's who ran the party, has run the party for a long time. Watching them compromise this, you know, the, the, their whole thing was they vote against the Democrats because we're the party of moral superiority. And yet time and again, and Trump's not the first guy. But Trump it, is the most guy. He's the worst? He, Absolutely. I mean, the fact that the rationalizations and contortions, I mean, if you're a Democrat, you're looking at Jerry Falwell and Mike Huckabee, and you're saying, yeah, they're total scamsters yeah. like Trump is. But, you know, they've had to belly right up to him and their followers. Some of them haven't bellied up to him. Like, I'm really impressed with the Liberty University students that mm-hmm. it's all conservative. That's Jerry Falwell's college. But there is a rump group of... And Samantha Ponder. Who have... Who have Bringing it back to sports <laughs> here for a second. Who have stood up to their... To, for anybody to sports Falwell fans are still listening, like waiting that, for sports. Like, like, we got that's it. Impress- that's impressive. Like, I right. admire that courage. I wish I had that courage... I wish I hope I can display that courage if, uh, if the worm is turned. And I think that's important because what a lot of people from the left, I, and I see it on both sides. I saw it on the right, and now that I'm more liberal, I see it on the left. Got to hear both this, sides. There's, but there's this polarized view of anyone who disagrees with them. And I understand it, but you have to be willing to look and say, okay, that person's not going to compromise on their position on name your issue, whatever you know, whether it's whether it's the abortion issue, the, your hot button abortion or gay marriage or or whatever economic issues. Um, those are that's their core beliefs, and so you're just going to be on two on opposite sides of that. So I'm not looking to convince that voter vote for Hillary necessarily. That Hillary just is, is completely opposite of their political stance. Right. I get that. Right. Just don't vote for Trump. You right. can't tell me that Trump is the guy. But then they say, if I vote for uh, the Constitution Party candidate, uh, savior. She, promotes, she promotes uh, um, uh, pro-choice justices. That's killing babies. That's, core, that's a core belief of mine. I have to vote for Trump. It's a terrible choice, but uh, I want to save babies. Like, what do we do with that? Yeah, bigger picture. That's what they. Yeah, it's valid. And, that, and that's what we would do. Mm-hmm. Totally. If the situation was reversed. Yeah, yeah. Which I think makes perfect sense. Is my question of like, if this was reversed, we would the but stuff he's that a we're bullshit artist. <laughs> he doesn't really <laughs> believe what here, you believe. Here's the problem: that's the GOP, the GOP co-ops the pro-life cause mm-hmm. for votes. Yep. The, the GOP ran from 02 to 06. They ran they had the presidency, they had the Senate, they had the House, they had the Supreme Court. We didn't see the needle move a bit, thankfully, on the issue, and it's not going to move. The needle is not going to move on that issue, but they co-opted right. for votes. You can't, ra- you can't fundraise <laughs> on, ban- on once abortion's banned, you can't fundraise on it. Okay, question two. Sorry. We have seven questions to get to. <laughs> this is number two. We are 26 minutes in. How much How much of the closeness of this election is about Hillary being a terrible candidate? Almost all of it. You think so? Yes. We just talked about that there's a certain percentage of people, of course, on each side, who are going to vote for their party line no matter what. Yep. So 35-40%. 35-40%. So that amount of people are going to vote for Trump no matter what, even if it was the greatest candidate of all time. Well, how? I think it's important... 
to realize, I looked at, uh, this was probably a month and a half ago now, but I'm sure the numbers haven't changed. There was a, some university did one of their polls, and they released all the polling Quinnipiac. data. It might have been Quinnipiac, <laughs> which, which is which in is New York or New Ohio. York? or okay. Pepperdine. It's hard to, it's hard to say where, Quinnip- where Quinnipiac is. Yep. One of those universities did a poll and released all of their data, and I happened to look through this PDF because I was bored at work or something like that. And by far, the number of people who were voting, who said they were voting for Hillary, said they were doing it because they disliked Trump, and by far, the number of people who said they were voting for Trump said they did it because they disliked Hillary. This election is very much about dislike and very much not about like. And sometimes they, and they say that's somewhat true in most cases, right? That you're always voting for who you hate versus who you like. But I just think, and again, this is probably some sort of wish casting or whatever you want to call it, fantasizing, but Biden or Warren or Sanders or some more person with a ton more favorable it seems like it wouldn't be that close, but again, we just sort of talked no, about this whole no, time no. that it would still be relatively close no matter what. Like there's... People are so dug in, yeah, like... wise it's, it's going to be close. And, and you know, I, I voted for Bernie, and I would vote for Bernie again, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you that if Bernie was running against Trump, he might be winning by more, but there's a good possibility that he wouldn't because he'd be hammered and attacked and, and turned into a caricature. Uh, you do neutralize the whole change argument if you run Bernie Sanders. But there's a whole lot of, you know, he wants to double your taxes, blah, 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 blah. So it, I, I think it's too pat to say anybody but Hillary would have beaten Donald Trump by more. Maybe Obama would because his popularity has gone up because we've been watching these other two. But it's wishful thinking. But to Brandon's point with the question, it was shocking to me that the Democrats didn't put up better any other candidates. That you had a field of three candidates, basically. If Bernie you're going to sit here and insult Martin O'Malley, sir. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> I, I included him. I said three. I didn't say two. No, and if you want to talk if we're about We're going to start what, making fun of Lincoln Chafee. I'm out. I mean, if you want to talk about what's wrong with the Democrats, one of the problems that's wrong with the Democrats is we have sided right up to the city banks of the world, and we cleared the field for Hillary because she had a bajillion dollars. And there wasn't a real contest because our party's gone from being the circular firing squad that the Republicans are now to being the party that kind of falls in line for the obvious choice. It used to be Republicans. You could always tell who the Republicans were going to nominate because it was the favorite of yep. the money part of the party. Now we're that party, yep. at least with Hil- with regard to Hillary. And so, you know, when Donald Trump's out there criticizing us for being the party of Wall Street, we are the party of Wall Street right now. Like, Wall Street yep. has been going down because they want Hillary Clinton to win. Now, admittedly, it's because they're scared about a crazy person. But like, I voted for Bernie because I am really worried about the Democrats not doing what it takes to constrain financial power, which is one of the reasons I became a Democrat. So these are things I do worry about. So uh, that leads me to, I have two questions that are surrounding. Is this three and four? This is number this three number two? and number four. Yeah, oh, we've awesome. moved on. You have two. me on, you really never nice. get to your questions. That's, that's, that's just a- talk. <laughs> uh, so I have two questions that really surround treating the present as if it's the past. So... Let's pretend we're in the future and looking back on 2016. Whoa. Do you think the how this election has gone for both parties is going to demonstrably change the way the actual party behaves and their uh, their key issues? I mean, people have talked about um, the GOP in particular for eight years, 12 years, 16 years, whatever, of like 
the rising number of Hispanics in this population is growing like crazy. We need to do a better job of making sure they feel like they belong in this party, and then it doesn't happen, <laughs> right? But they've been talking about it forever, for a yeah. long time. It's yeah. been in, like, you see these, like, memos of 2004, right. or whatever the it was. I'm like, this is really important. It's, we got to do this. still on the to-do list. Still on the list. 2012, it was after. Still on the list. It's like cleaning the, out your kids' closets for us. race that they did that deep dive, right. the Republicans did, and said, hey, we got to be a little hipper. Yep. So, okay, so let's say, let's look forward to 2020 right now. Mm-hmm. And say of, of whatever happened in no, 2016, <laughs> whatever happened in 2016, the the Democrat Party changed this way or the Republican Party changed this way. Do you think that that's actually going to happen? And if so, how? It's not going to happen. They're just going to be who they're going to be, and we're going to continue to be the party that's uh, liberal in name only and sidled up to Wall Street because Dude, that's who so, we are. Social, we... social liberal, physical, uh, physical. I've had one and a half beers. Physical oh and a physical Republican. Exactly. Um, well, Republican, the one thing Republicans can still do, regardless of what's all going on with their party, is they can hate Hillary Clinton. And um, I think she'll win on Tuesday. I, you know, Nate Silver is, you know, putting the fear of God in I have everybody. a question about Nate Silver later, okay. so let's hold but on. I still think, I just think his lack of a ground game, it's eventually, that's his, you know... Whatever secret white vote is out there, I don't think that's going to carry him. Well, through. it isn't even so much a lack of a ground game as it is Latinos. What? Just oh, saying, yeah. well, fuck you, you, if that you, shit. If you've been following the Nevada early vote, he's already lost Nevada. Um, I think I that's think true. Got... But we've been hearing for about six elections in a row that the youth movement, the minority movement, exactly. are going to they're they're going to be the ones that tip this election, mm-hmm. and it hasn't happened yet. Well, 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 well wait, wait, if. Hillary wins, mm-hmm. and if Hillary wins because of the Latino vote in the South, like if if Florida and Nevada mm-hmm. and maybe Arizona and maybe Georgia and maybe North Carolina, Georgia's all, closer than Michigan all, right now. All go to Hillary, or, any, or a bunch of them go to Hillary. You've got to say that it's three elections in a row where black and brown people have chosen the president of the United States. So if Hillary wins the way she might, we've seen the change. And I think we're seeing it in, I was talking on Twitter today, in Minnesota, I think we're seeing, we're a little bit behind the curve, but we're seeing a realignment into partisan realignment, like up north is becoming more Republican, or at least the 8th District where mm-hmm. Rick Nolan and Stu That's why you see those commercials are. ad infinitum. And, and Stu, you're, you're right on point about this, uh, Mr. Tweetstorm St. Cloud today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're... Re- I think we're... Yeah. Um, I think we're <laughs> I, but I think we are fully realigning into white people who are terrified by colored people. Mm-hmm. They'll be in the Republican Party and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they'll be in the Democratic Party. And I don't know who's going to be the majority there, because you've got some, you know... You've got some things scrambling. Um, so that's what, if, if Hillary wins, the Republicans are on point because they're going to have to figure out, they're going to know that white people aren't enough. But as Joey said, I think he made a really good point, they're, that's baked in. That's core beliefs. That's their core. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard for a party to transcend its core. If Trump wins, I kind of think... It's one of those things where, thankfully, from my perspective, we'll be done with the fucking Clintons. Like, Mm. I'm tired of that. And we'll be on to whatever our party is going to become, which I hope is younger. Mm. I hope is more progressive. I hope is smarter. Um, uh, I hope 
listens better to new voices because the, the Democrats in, in nominating Hillary, we're we're still coast, we're, we're coasting on on our past. We're trying mm-hmm. to get our the Republicans are trying to get their white supremacists passed mm-hmm. one more election. We're trying to get our old Wall Street passed one more election. It can't, I don't think it can last. It can't until twenty twenty. Well, I mean, I just go back to John's point of, like, we've been hearing that similar argument about the future of both parties. I think John's wrong. I think for a long time, which is... (laughs) (laughs) You're on the right podcast, Dave. Thanks for coming on. Um, But it does seem like that's this conversation that we're having. It was most likely a conversation that was had in, I don't know, 1980, 1984. It was a similar thing of... Well, the world's getting more diverse, and that's terrible news for the GOP. That party won't look like the way it was, but it seems to—I don't know. So well, I guess the conversation what, that was had in 1980, and Ronald Reagan had his uh, what was it, Dave? His acceptance speech in Philadelphia, Mississippi. He, no, he announced his campaign in—and I'll never forget this. Uh, he announced his campaign in Philadelphia, Mississippi, talking about states' rights. And for those of us of a certain age, mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi, was where three civil rights workers from the North, mm-hmm. whites were killed uh, and buried in an earthen dam in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And they were the one of the survivors was only, I think maybe two of the survivors were only brought to justice in the 2000s. And so it was a very clear sign. There's a guy named Lee Atwater who, mm-hmm. from South Carolina who ran his campaign. That was a clear sign and a clear play by Reagan to racists. And... That so if you're wondering if Donald Trump came out of nowhere, he didn't come out of nowhere. He's just a con man who's riding the wave. That's oh, I think I, if Trump wins mm-hmm. on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and as Stu said, the the Republicans control the Senate and they control the House, mm-hmm. I think that is the culmination of the Republican project. Mm-hmm. That you know, voting rights the law restrictions, yep. uh, uh, white resentment, Clinton demonization. I'm sure they didn't intend for Trump to be no. their culmination, but if you think about it, it's very logical where they ended up. Also, monorail sales will spike in the United <laughs> States in 2017. Visa sales will yep. spike. <laughs> it was interesting. I, I read an article last week that traced the current Republican Party all the way back to Barry Goldwater in 1964 in the sense that the... The bedrock of the Republican Party for a long time was people who were just straight-up conservative, assuming that the government we have is probably the closest to the best government, and we're just going to change is, change is against the way that things should be, more or less. Goldwater was the start of people who weren't sitting in political science faculty rooms in the Northeast, he was a guy. He was from Arizona, I think. Yep. If I'm not a longtime senator from yeah. Arizona, um, and it was the start of what this article called the new right, which was just about smashing things. And the point this article was trying to make was that Trump was Trump is the culmination of sort of this bucking bronco that the Republicans got on, the GOP got on, in order to keep driving the party forward, and now has completely lost control of. So I yes. don't. I don't think that I don't necessarily think that most of the GOP thinks that they're wrong or thinks that Trump represents them. I think it's just 
become this thing that's beyond what they can control. And I think if you ask most GOP people, they'll they'll say that people who are brown, people who are black, people who we think of as traditional Democratic voters that will never break with the Democratic Party will eventually be people who will at least think about voting for the GOP. Well, the problem is when you get a guy like Trump who is the... Yeah. He, embodiment he doesn't of dog the party. whistle. Yeah. He just mm-hmm. says it. The, impar- yeah. the embodiment yeah. of the party's worst impulses, that's not somebody who can attract any of those people. Right. And he it's a it very valid point. point, specifically with talking about the Democrats being very tied to Wall Street. It's an easy message to say, like, fuck these guys. They're not, they're not you know, living where you're living or have the same experiences that you have. But, yeah, you're right. I the, do not think it's a given that people of color are going to be Democrats yeah, you know, throughout the future. Absolutely. We can screw that up really, really easy. Very the easily. nice thing is the Republicans are making it really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think... I do scoring think, own goals you know, left and right. You know, exactly. And, and what they'll... You and your soccer it, metaphors, if, too. If they, if they lose, you know, it'll again be like, let's try to find a uh, Marco Rubio kind of guy who mm-hmm. can, you know, front for us mm-hmm. uh, and... and you know, minimize our disadvantage, but still make sure that our racist people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do stuff. Uh, He's one of stuff. the good ones, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. one of those things. Well, and it'll be interesting in Florida, if Clinton wins, if the Latino vote buoys Clinton, what the Latino vote does with respect to Rubio. He's running against a, a compromised Democrat mm-hmm. in Patrick Murphy. But it'll be interesting to see if they all these new Latino voters who are coming to the polls split their ticket or don't and, and like hold Rubio accountable for endorsing and voting for Trump. Speaking of Rubio, uh, one thing, so I listened to another podcast called great debates. I don't know if any of you listen to that. It's too, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big podcast fan, Brandon. I listen to Britton Brower and that's it. Yep. Suck up. And we thank you. Do um, we have a little Brit impersonation from you, Stu? Oh, yeah, I want to hear that. <laughs> I heard These that. motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I got. That is literally the, Brit, the whole next question. Do it as Brit Robson. I think he has such a great, like, radio voice in the most unconventional exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That Memorable. It's just like, like he, is, he is raw passion. He, yep. is, he is The one thing you could say about Brit Robson is he is true to himself. It's one. He was best man at my wedding, and... He is, he is a marvelous person in so many ways. But he is, he is incredibly honest uh, and and super insightful. Like when you do a show with him, you just have to say like, yeah, he gets it probably more than I do. But I'm going to go along for the ride with this. Right. Kind and like, the great thing about you guys is you can tell your voices apart as opposed <laughs> to the sportive. It's true. If you listen yeah. to the sportive for the first time, you're like, well, that it guy's is, right. really from Western right. Minnesota. Is, that is. guy's mostly from Western I Minnesota. I know that whenever Western. soccer or rugby talk comes on, that it's probably you. That's, that's <laughs> and everyone else, if you look at the Google Hangout, everybody just gets up and leaves while I'm talking. <laughs> yeah. It's just me trying to fill air until I, I see it. someone you know, come back. Like, I'm, I'm, I swear to God I'm going to go to a... A, a soccer game uh, next year, and I don't really need another sports team. Like I really don't. Here I've, been getting, I've been getting rid of sports teams, but I I enjoy your column in the Strib. It's a good teaching column for idiots like me who don't know a thing about it. I think I, I think if I was starting fresh, I would be a soccer fan because I kind of get the I kind of a little bit of insight into the beauty of the game. It's just that I'm topped up. I had to get rid of football because I'm <laughs> over full. Uh, it's pretty much baseball and basketball for me now. I yeah. never, never got hockey. Just a quick status. Uh, we are on second beer level. For we, any yeah. listeners, we are, we are two beers deep. So. Except for Joey, who hasn't had a beer. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah, I'm hoping nobody listens to... First beer's coming. Okay, first beer's coming for Joey. Which means I actually still have well-formed thoughts. This is just a disclaimer in general of like... Joey's beer really is here. Uptight. I'm going to go with the It's over now. Thing. So getting back to the Great Debates podcast. You have um, good thoughts. So these are That's two impressive. writers uh, on TV shows. They live in Hollyweird. So, <laughs> yeah. Libs. Yeah, so it's those guys. Anyway, um... Stephen but it's Baldwin great debates, and they know, like, just the even basic James high Woods. school concepts of, like, how to debate and how to whatever. Steven Seagal. And what they talk about, which is really interesting, and I don't know if they came up with the term or they talk about it, one thing that they said was actually really brilliant on Donald Trump's part is to use what they call linguistic kill shots for all the different people in the primary. Okay, that's just coming right out of Scott Adams, the Dilbert cartoonist, in his blog. But what's funny is, like... That is so insane. Donald Trump would come story. up with these, like, nicknames for each... You know, it's Lion Ted Cruz, right. Little Marco Rubio, Crooked Hillary, whatever. Yep. And they're like, it's the most brilliant, perfect thing because he just continues to give this person this nickname. He's a meme guy. And if you think of the... the uh, you know, people say, well, Rubio, he just doesn't have enough experience. Because he kept calling him Little Marco Rubio the entire time. That is one thing that I really hope continues on to future elections. Because I want all of them to just have really shitty nicknames for each other. <laughs> they just continue. Because I was, I don't know what, what I was listening Hitler. to. Was, uh, you, can't, like, you can't go into policy after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, exactly. Whatever, but, little Marco Rubio. Yeah, but my well, pol- don't you want to hear about yeah. my ideas? No. 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 no, you teased me better. Yeah, so you exactly. Win. Well, and, and Rubio fell for it. It's like, yeah, Donald has small hands, and you know what that... And that, yeah. but, like, but, that like, totally went against his brand. But Zach's hurt. point there is why I got out of the GOP. It's not about policy. It's entertainment. Politics right. yeah. on a very high level is entertainment. Hollywood and ugly and, people. And Trump exploited that. Yeah. But I will he say did. this. If Trump wins... One of the storylines you're going to see, I think, is that the Trump people leapfrog the Democrats in terms of weaponizing memes, doing social media, like not worrying so much about the traditional media because they insulted it all the time. They had some sort of secret like Facebook sauce and some sort of meme ability mm. that Trump has with hanging the names on people and, you know, using the deplorables people and those that those guys get the Internet and they get guerrilla rhetorical warfare mm-hmm. better than like the Democrats are sort of like the troops that marched in formation into, uh, you know, battle. And then they were cut apart by uh, by the guerrillas. That's if he wins. Um, I think that. I, Can I was, talk Clausewitz? Can this be a Clausewitz? Yeah. 
Um, according to some tweet I saw, I think it might have been Politico. That's a great uh, tr- start of a sentence. According to a tweet I saw. Tweets are legit. <laughs> this sentence is going to get a fact for let's sure. Not, uh, no, it's just um, that's um, Twitter. 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 Else else this because this is probably newsworthy. Uh, Trump quit polling. He's no, just not, he quit paying his polls. But he's also, no, but he's also to stop doing it completely. Like it's great, and it's three days of the election, which is like. This is like Zimmer and, and the Vikings wins, offense wins, I mean, now, right? think about how much that overturns everything. <laughs> sports. 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 Sport. I mean, that just, yeah, that's like the most unconventional thing well, you could possibly do. Because yeah. if, if you do internal polling, then you know where to campaign the last three days, where you've got a chance to win, where you've like, got a chance like to break up the Like hotspot battle state of Minnesota. Exactly. And I mean, he's going to like 30 Sunday. states. What if afternoon. he wins, though? Like, what if he's like the black swan who gets it? And the yeah. rest of us are just sitting around. Who've been like, pretending that democracy not, works for 240 which, years. And like, Trump cracking the What think, if he sees around corners, Zach, that I, we don't I, see? What if? All right, just question four. We're going to get to question four. Question, okay. what is uh, 45 minutes now? in. <laughs> Here we go. We're halfway home. Sorry, man. So continuing on, on the theme of treating the <laughs> present like the past, but getting away from politics, how do you think we're going to view in 20 years from now, looking back on 2016, just in terms of the social... Um, I'll be dead. The social unrest. Are we going to think of this as like the late 60s? Because it it just feels like it's gotten... You don't think so, John? I don't think so. I think everybody's entertained by this, but ultimately not doing a lot about it. I do worry like more than I have. I think it's unlikely, but I, I, I do think there's a better chance than I thought before of some kind of fucked up 21st century civil war because we have people who are so so at like 43 percent so far down the rabbit hole the hate at the trump rallies i mean i'll just say it as a jew i look at what's happening at those things and i i'm scared shitless because it is the same dynamic it really is i think america is a is a wealthier healthier country for all that we can dog the country for but I do see that dynamic, and it scares the shit out of me. People, there was a tweet that I saw today of a girl or a young woman, I don't know how old she was, who was selling uh, Hillary Target practice sheets oh, I saw for five bucks at a Cincinnati rally, and she'd sold 1,600 of them. And I will tell you, man, that chilled my soul. I don't know if it's like... Maybe Joey knows this better than I do, but it, maybe it's just like that sort of bravado bullshit where you drive a Hummer, but you would never go to war. But that's a new level, and and I, I, I can't just write that off. I can't just say, ha-ha, that's nothing. I do think there's an aspect in this race of, like, electing Jesse Ventura because he's free cable. But Trump, it insults Jesse Venturi, Ventura to put him in the same breath with Donald Trump. I mean, Jesse was a much more solid guy. Uh, he much was a better, city administrator. He's a much better guy <laughs> than, than, than Donald Trump. So anyway, that's the part that, that's the part that scares me a lot. Yeah, I've been I mean, thinking... 20 years, we'll be into the sixth Trump administration. But I don't think it's the <laughs> yeah. 60s either. Yeah. It's not the 60s either because we were literally fighting in the streets. Like, yep. mm-hmm. like yep. that, I'm old enough to remember that barely. And, and, and I don't mean it's to... Like, it's not, we're not there yet. I don't mean well, to conflate them in... Seen, I mean, with, with Ferguson, we've seen it in, New Orleans, in Baton Rouge. We've seen things in the streets that are pretty scary, too. I think the level... I mean, again, as a, as a ultra-lib, I am happy 
Oh, we should have said we should have started that off with David Brower leans oh, left. I'm sorry for yeah, all just the, a little. Just, just <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have. Fifty-one forty-nine. Some days. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm really glad to see people who are getting killed by the cops unnecessarily in a way that white people wouldn't rise up. Like that's part of what you have to do in this society. Um, so in that sense, it is like the '60s in what I think is an appropriate way. What I don't see yet, though is I don't really, I mean, maybe it's the police, for many reasons, not just terrible racist reasons, uh, reacting, but I don't see that level of hard hats wailing on radicals, <laughs> that kind of thing, like we saw, we did see in the 60s. It's maybe true. we'll I, see it again. I don't mean seeing... for it to be a direct comparison, because I, I have heard plenty of people say, like, no, dude, you have no idea how bad the 60s were compared to now. I'm just saying the level of social consciousness of what's going on in the world seems to be so much higher than it was even 10 years ago. I mean, people in general are woke now. They're well, at least half woke. The people who Even are scared shitless by being woke. I agree with you on the first I'm not, part, and it has this other reaction too. Well, it's funny because you get woke, right? And woke, woke the is the ever <laughs> we are woke, by the way. We are so white. by far having David here, who's Jewish, makes yeah. this podcast one thousand <laughs> pretty diverse. diverse. <laughs> pretty diverse. Yeah, yeah. This is great. This is great. Yeah. Woke, woke means right. basically that aware of prejudice. You understand that. Yeah. Maybe the police, for whatever reason, are killing black people unnecessarily, and that's an outrage. So just in general, like my aunt from Champlin, 10 years ago. The story always sounds well. (laughs) 10 years ago, if I would have told her that there's these, you know, my opinion of these things going on in the world, she'd be like, what? I, I don't. Now I feel like she's at least generally aware of those things going on, for good or bad, and maybe even for worse, because maybe the more woke some people get, the more into our corners we retreat, and it's not a good thing. It's, but it's a necessary step but it's to necessary, getting to the next step. And that's what I'm going to be, that's what I'm very curious about in 20 years when we look back on this, and like the level of wokeness will be very interesting to see how our society responds in general of like, now we all know what's going on, do we say... Oh, um, I think the Black Lives Matter is a perfect example of like, oh, I just don't believe it, or I don't think that that's, or is it a good thing? And I just think it's going to take a while for us to understand the macro, the big Mm -hmm. picture of it, of like, it's got, it's, should be a good thing overall. For me, it's really helpful having a 19-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter, because uh, my son knows people who are in the local Black Lives Matter, like the people who are camping out in front of the 4th Precinct uh, in Minneapolis up North Minneapolis. And, you know, he had, I think he had a very good view. He has friends who are diverse. So does my daughter. And he was saying, like, some of the things they're doing are super necessary and great. And some of it is kids from Burnsville showing up at the 4th Precinct, Mm -hmm. trying to be cool and be hip and not really listening to the people who actually live in the 4th Precinct. 25 years ago, they were buying the Public Enemy cassette. And, like, you know, that was how they were showing their their rebellion. Hit me. You kind of alluded to this maybe (laughs) off the air. Hit me. But... What what we really what will happen what will be true in twenty years is that there will be a lot more people like my kids. There will also be people, I don't know if a lot more I don't know yet, who were raised like Joey was, homeschool white out in the I don't know if you you know, out in the excerpts. I don't my, know. A mile from my, mail, my mailbox. Yeah. Rural Some, rural northern right, Wisconsin. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think there's gonna be so much more interaction 
I mean, I know it's true. There's going to be so much more interaction between people of different races and cultures. How we handle that as flawed, xenophobic, tribal human beings, maybe you should be pessimistic about that. But, like, again, I watch my, my kids. Like, I was pretty together. I followed politics when I was, you know, 19. I was into it. You guys can tell that from this. My son is so much more smart and so not not intellectual smart. He's that, too, but so much more emotionally smart and so much more woke, frankly. <laughs> there you go. I was, God, I love that you just that, said that. Than I was, that that does give you hope. I mean, these, these, these kids are living the future, and, and that's a good thing. I do think so, and it's, um, it's a hard thing to think about, especially when knowing how many injustices are – are still happening today and, and making sure that you're on the right side of history and all that sort of stuff. But in the, we have checked off a number of other things that, that few past generations fought for and dealt with of, um, civil rights and women voting and all that sort of stuff too. We're like, we just, we're still struggling and trying to get through things socially and trying to find equality. But big picture thinking, if you're able to step back and it is getting a tiny, tiny little bit better with every generation, we a say tiny... that as what you say that as straight white guys that it's getting mm-hmm. better for yeah. everybody. I think no, so. not for me. This is fucking no. bullshit for <laughs> yeah, me. This, I'm oppressed <laughs> now, man. The majority is is MAGA. Di- is disappearing Hashtag in front of me. It MAGA. fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We've done a bad job of it. Yeah, so I've done great, like, but... like you know, I'm really ready for women and people of color to to take over. I really, I mean, genuinely, I am because it's like. We've had our shot. Like we've had our two millennia. It's a shit gig. Three for millennia one. shot. We <laughs> fucked it up. Come on. It's not. Have uh, you met us? It's really hard to manage. If us. you think about it's it in that way, bad at it. Like we should be managed. That's yeah. Uh, you know. yeah. If you Any think about it that way, it's this, it's the opposite of surprising of of some of the reaction of uh, someone who's in the easy, comfortable majority seeing themselves not being a part of that. Of course, there was going to be some sort of angry fear, whatever you want to call it. Um, it sucks open? to witness, but it's obvious. It's, it's a very obvious, natural, not natural. I think that sort of excuses it, but it's a, it, it was a very easy thing to anticipate of like, of course, this is going to be a, an issue. No one's going to be like, oh yeah, no, I just won't be the in, in comfortable power anymore. Nah, that's well, fine. Where did this come from? You know, what we're seeing this year, we didn't see it 12 years ago even. Yeah. You know, where did it come from? Was it the recession? Was it the, yes. the was it the the war? I mean, that's that's what yes. I kind of look to is when you look at the early years of, in the Bush administration, there was this whole the, the compassionate party, right? Compassionate conservatism or whatever that brand was that was brought out. <coughs> there was well, you could say that no, but I I do think that George W. Bush was genuine in that sentiment. I, I do think that. Now I think he surrounded himself with a shitty cabinet, and he had shitty advisors, and and. So the decisions made post 9-11, you know, brought, wreaked havoc on the party. But I think there I was will, a time I will there. say, nobody looks better in retrospect than George W. Bush. <laughs> it is true. That guy it's looks true. like an absolute statesman You know, I, was gonna, I have this tweet queued up. If uh, Trump wins on Tuesday, that is the photo of the Bush billboards that went up after Obama. So miss me yet? Like, I would take George Bush <laughs> so much faster. But I, and I, I hate George Bush. I know that. But I said in 08... 
I think history is going to look on, on Bush, on George W. Bush, more fondly than we do now. And yes, but that's for a low bar. It may, you can argue that, but I think what I saw I'm only from let you go a few. But what I saw that. from liberals, just as much as conservatives, is there's an assassination of character that happens with of for anyone with whom you disagree with on policy, and that's that's awful. And that's what's I think brought us to the place we're at now is we assassinate the character of people simply because of the policy that they embrace. Dick You're Cheney wrong and an animal for thinking that. Dick Cheney, <laughs> Dick, Dick Cheney was his vice president. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, if Bush was a fool, that's fine. That's a distinction I'm willing to make. But no, I mean, this. I, I think George Bush is is as a person is is probably a, a an okay person. I mean, I certainly think he's well league, intended. I certainly think he's leagues above. George Bush, from my perspective as a as a goddamn liberal, I would say that George Bush is the model that the Republican Party is going to want to get back to a little bit updated, which is the smiling face on bullshit policies. That's what I see. Oh, and, I just, and I have no problem with that sentiment. Of course, his policies are bullshit. That, right. That's the that's going to be the position of the opposition. I get that. My issue is the character assassination. When I look at the tweets from people four years ago about Romney and you're seeing characterization of Romney that looks very, it doesn't look very different from the way they're characterizing Trump. Rom- it Romney, really doesn't. And Romney really. has acquitted himself well mm-hmm. in this campaign, so that speaks to your point. And for the record, I disliked Ryan a hell of a lot more than I disliked oh, Romney. Yeah. Oh, with you know, Romney, I feel like Ryan, all I... again, is the Trojan horse. Exactly. Yeah. I feel he like voted with, for Trump. We were just making fun the of the his... conservative golden boy voted for Trump. of women <laughs> comment. Yeah. I most of the time spent time making fun of Romney for that photo of him in those huge jeans. That was most of... <laughs> and then you saw Obama throwing out that first pitch. The man like, yeah, yeah, the yes, the yes, dad borrowed his jeans. <laughs> it's like, oh god, what did I do? Well, I remember in 2000, uh, I was 19 years old, this was the Gore-Bush uh, election and I was into politics even less than I am now and I just remember watching these debates and they were the most boring thing in the world it was just Al Gore repeating the word lockbox over and mm-hmm. over and over. Exactly. You remember like, that? Whatever nerds, I'm going out. And I was like, well, this, this is this. Watch me kick away an automatic security. re-election like, by being bored. All, all, all they an talked issue about. facing the nation. Social security. They talked about for hours on end. He was just lockbox. And then Bush would be like, oh, I want to give it back to you and power to you and <laughs> lockbox. That's all it was. And we complained about it. And I... This is, you know, I, I think nostalgia is sort of like poisonous thinking. It's not a good thing to think about. But, man, that's crazy that my biggest complaint about that year was how boring it was. It's, it's amazing I watched these debates, back. and I wanted to fucking have a... I mean, I felt like something was, like, breaking inside, I mean, of, again, inside 90s, of me. The 90s, you know, the economy was great. And yeah, I mean, that, yeah. the second plane hadn't hit the World Trade Center yet. I mean, right. everything was, you know, like, ah, it's also you're, you're switching out, you know... You're swapping out, you know, middle management. It's, it's, right. There was nothing, you know. Okay, so uh, let's move on to question five. Um, is it five? Maybe it's six. I don't know. I, I added a couple extras in here. I want to go really <laughs> quickly, just though. More Here's questions. the thing that I think about as a um, my liberal side of my head thinks about, but then the other side of my brain thinks I'm stupid and crazy and I'm oversimplifying. I feel like the way that people get their news nowadays is an incredibly important thing that needs to be solved immediately. The filter, the fact, and this this is on both sides. This is I, I think the Republicans get 
more of uh, politicized of like, oh, well, this is a thing that's completely been debunked and false or whatever. But that shit happens on the other side as well. And I don't really even necessarily blame, again, using my aunt in Champlain for some reason. I don't know why I can continue to to cite her, but she's somebody who's a well-meaning person who just like goes on a Facebook and sees news articles and whether it's from the whether it's from the Wall Street Journal or from the Twin Cities Daily Press dot or slash net whatever dot org slash net dot org whatever like she doesn't understand and it's not even again like I'm not putting her down but she doesn't understand the difference between those two and she never would and a generation ago one of them shows up on her doorstep and the other one is a person at a bar in a different state that she has never heard of or heard from or cares about or thinks about at all. And nowadays, those are on the same level in some cases of people who get their news from Facebook or wherever else. And to me, again, like thinking of both sides, that to me seems like a huge issue and challenge. And I don't know what we're going to do about it besides like, well, hopefully people just become smarter about the news that they get, which um, is stupid and wishful thinking. It's, it's not true. It's not going to happen. As someone who is a big believer in the internet, I'm disappointed to see the internet fail completely. completely. The point of, when the internet was starting, it was like, this is going to be great. Truth is going to spread throughout the world Yes, because there will be so many people to refute falsehoods throughout the world. Nope. And it went the exact opposite way. Yes. yes. Oh, oh, didn't see that coming you know what, Falsehoods no, win. No, no, no. I mean, the internet... I think the way to think about the internet is it's a tool. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. So for people who are shitheads, <laughs> it's a tool. And and they get fooled and they get compromised. The question, I mean, the way to analyze this question about the internet is, does the internet make smart people stupid? Or does it just make stupid people louder? Because if it just makes stupid people louder... It's no big deal. If it makes smart people stupid, if it changes how smart people act, makes them act in dumb ways, then it's a bigger problem. I think, I think it is. I, I think. think it makes smart people angry, if that makes sense. And I think it means, generally leads to stupidity. Yeah, so, yeah. Because it, it feels, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, it feels like you can concoct a situation in which you feel like 90% of the world is against you. Whether you're on the left or whether you're on the right, yep. no matter who you are, you can use social media or Twitter or Facebook or whatever to feel like you're under threat. And you see this from, I mean, even straight white guys, like all of us. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, wow, there's so much stuff going on that's just not, that is, you can feel oppressed as a straight white guy, which is nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. I think it what takes, you're saying, John, is it's easy to feel be mad online. It's easy to be mad yeah. online, unless you're Zach. And it's actually it's it's Zach's uh, chill. I'm never, it's funny to me. Zach I'm, is I'm never chill. mad. It's actually yeah, funny. But Zach Zach is is you're chill smart, as my as the you're kids a smart say. guy, and you're angry on Twitter. I am angry on Twitter. You know, no, no, now wait. I would say that if you had a pie chart, <laughs> I of stew emotion on Twitter. There would be like maybe a half of a pizza slice. A half, if you're cutting the pizza into eighth, it would be like a sixteenth that's angry. And the rest of it is either mirthful, sardonic, or Gene wry. Larkin jokes. I have, like, never, Zach, I have never. Zach and Zach and Stu are like two of the least angry people. Have you I've ever, ever seen, seen Stu angry about Val's? 
Of it's what? true. <laughs> so true. Always but happy. It takes, it takes effort to see the other side of your political party as anything but demonic. It takes effort. And I have yeah, talked absolutely. about this. I That's wrote about it on dissonance. Twitter right. yeah, months yeah, ago. No doubt. That I naturally am a... a whatever progressive liberal whatever but i don't know if that's the way i should behave or believe or whatever yeah. else um socially i will always don't yes. question that um but but i don't want to i i'm not happy thinking that 50 percent of the people are um are evil right i don't think that's true so it's not true. I, I asked a question on twitter months ago who would who would you suggest to follow that has the opposite opinion of most of us lefties on Twitter that's still a, a good, smart person to, um, to pay attention to, just to, again, to understand that there's a whole other side, a whole millions of other people who have a different opinion who and? are still well-meaning non. And it was hard. It was really, really <laughs> difficult because there's very few. Joey. I'm going with Joey. Like people, he's the most recent Republican I know. So. Yeah, but I would. And I, I, mean, I found a few. I'm not saying frankly, that. It, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm but, pretty damn liberal now. I mean, I. I but I have a difficult time calling myself a Democrat, partly because I feel like I'd fall back into where I was as a Republican sure, with yep, this yep, polarized. That's I, I don't. That's fair. And not that I want to live in this wishy-washy middle. I'm, you know, policy. You're not in the middle though. But, you just don't want the label, and you don't want to be on the team. Some right? of it's the label, and some of it is that yeah, it felt like I was on a team that had to hate the other team. Yeah. And I, when I was the president I of the College that. Republicans, I would try to reach out to the College Democrats and say, hey, let's hang out. You know. We're here to talk about policy, and and it should be focused on the policy. Set right. personalities aside, and they can't do it. They you and your fact, it. you and your fact based. And so, society. so I got away from all of it, and I'm so again. reluctant emotion, to get man. back into. I've debated: Do I caucus with the Go Democrats? Cubs. Who do, what Woo. do I do? I don't know. So I'm in this place of. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I'm with you, and it was actually like. It's odd that I had to make this huge concerted effort to do all this research and like what are, you know, it's, and that's a person who is not sure what side I even belong on and has working like crazy to see the other side. The average standard person is just like, I'm going to pick this and everybody else is, so is insane and wrong. And it's, the sad thing is that's not a weirdo thing. That's the default state of everybody. So let me say something on behalf of Twitter and me. I follow more Republicans on Twitter. I have more discussions with Republicans on Twitter, Republicans who I respect, um, than I would have right now without Twitter. So we can dog Twitter. We can say people are more in their little silos. I think probably generally that's true. I don't disagree with that. But it's sort of fundamental principles. And one of the things, if you're going to be a fact-based human, where it leads you is a good place. It leads you to recognize other fact-based humans, and the label becomes less important. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I can't think of... I think the last Republican I voted for was Patty Baker on the Minneapolis Park Board in, like, 1984. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, famous Patty Baker. Patty Baker. Yeah. We'll never forget. I think we were all big Patty She's Baker. another listener of the podcast, so uh, hi, Patty. Pour one out. Um, uh, but... <laughs> is that a girl? I don't even know. But, uh, yeah. yeah sure. she, she's, gone, she's gone now. Um, you and your identity uh, that, politics, Brandon. For someone who's woke, I think you should know that's a woman. But, I'm, not, <laughs> but just I, what I'm saying is, like, it is actually, I know for the, the stereotype and maybe the truth is that for a lot of people, it, it, you know, it has made, put blinders on you. For me, it's been the opposite. Like, I've been able to find people who I am genuinely interested in. I'll give you an example. 
He's a guy who used to write Minnesota. Two guys. Michael Broadcourt. No, no, not that guy. There's two guys out there who used to write Minnesota Democrats Exposed, which was this early blog that actually kind of put opposition research onto the Internet. It was, it was brilliant, and it was you know, effective up to a point. Uh, Luke Hellier and Michael Broadcourt, but I'm thinking of Luke here because Luke and I disagree about a lot of stuff. And I'm sure I would view him with alarm if he was, you know, when he runs for governor. But he is a person. Jeff Kolb is another example on Twitter. J.P. Kolb. of uh, K. Watt, exactly. Mm -hmm. These are all people who, even though I disagree with them on issues, they don't don't fight dirty. They don't cheat in an argument. Um, uh, When there is disagreement that's surfaced, it's legitimate disagreement. They have a genuine belief in a more limited role in government. In Jeff's case, Jeff Kolb, who's a Crystal City Council member, he has two fundamental beliefs that I just can't swing with as a, as a, as a policy, which is he's anti-union, and, I mean, there's some problems with unions, but he's really anti-union, and he's really pro-life, and, and I'm neither of those things. But those are legitimate positions for him to have. There are, there are genuine issues with, with both of those things, moral issues, policy issues. And on everything else, he is not a middle-of-the-roader, but he is a, a, a human being with integrity. And the other thing I admire about Luke and Jeff and Michael is they have all gotten involved in the actual daily experience of municipal government. Like, at that level, even though there is ideology, ideology drains away a lot because you're just trying to figure out, like, who should pick up the garbage and how does the street Who's, get... Where are we going to get, get the money get, to fill the pot? Get done. 37th. So, for me, it's been a great experience, and I would encourage people, you're right to be worried about all the things that you're worried about, but if you just have a little confidence in yourself, and I think we all deserve this, frankly, that... We're smart people, and we're good people, and we're looking for real things to hold on to, that you can use that tool that is the Internet, as much as it makes, may make you angry and crazy and obsessive, compulsive, and those are all terrible things. You can use that tool to actually humanize yourself and find other humans that you wouldn't normally find. I think the important thing to remember is there's a difference between the truth and the whole truth. There's so many times when you go, well, I got this out of a newspaper. It has to be true. And and then you're not wrong. It is true. But there's a bunch of other truths, too, that can sort of. So I think the whole truth is the thing that's really, really challenging to get on on either side, even as a responsible person who's not reading InfoWars or whatever the left wing, Jenny McCarthy's blog. Do I I have to watch that that guy because he's just pure entertainment or will it make my soul hurt? No, you need to not watch him. He thinks Sandy Hook was a hoax. You need but is to that not like ever... shtick? Is that like, is like pro wrestling that I'm supposed to it's, like? Even if it is pro wrestling, does it matter? Fuck that guy. Okay, good. It is pro wrestling. Like this is some of the. I used to be awesome at trivia, and now I suck at it because I've kind of taken a step back from pop culture. So I'm just trying to figure out like what I should do here. I think that I think definitely fuck that guy, no matter what. Okay. Uh, all right. So my last question is uh, the Are riskiest. We really question seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had one that I had. There's to, an eight silver question. I had. Um, is that I the one we threw out? The Nate I, had, I had another question that I wanted to ask that I'm not going to ask, so we're, we're out of time, so we can talk about that later. It wasn't even interesting. So um, <clears throat> we got to fit this into our radio. So there's classes. been. This will be on. I'm just talking about uh, myself, I suppose, and the the different polls that that I've been reviewing. But but 
by and large, there's like five to seven really big um, uh, poles that are that are traditionally believed in. And as of now, Nate Silver is such an outlier compared to all the other ones. You know, uh, it's that he thinks Hillary has a less of a chance of winning. Yes. I think the joke that I saw was in past years, everybody was freaking out and Nate Silver was the one going, all right, calm down. This is what's going to happen. And this year it's the exact opposite. We all feel pretty good. And Nate Silver is fucking freaking out every single time uh, he writes anything. Um, so I'm curious if, uh, I guess I'm just curious what you think about um, how it's all going to turn out. And if you're paying attention to him in general, or have you just sort of... I think if you're going to ride with Nate Silver in 2008 and 2012, you ride with him in 2016. Like, I'm not somebody... So are you wearing a diaper right now, then? Oh, you f- shit your pants? Well, just naturally, I wear a diaper. Oh, like, okay. I'm you are old. You are very old. David is 92 <laughs> no, years old. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a natural... Double diaper. David has incontinence. Diaper, that's like, what he's, I think like, that's what he's saying. He's incontinent, right? I, I am saying I think that. that's the word that the I, late I night infomercials say. That's why I called you a bedroom. Yeah, I, well, I call myself a bedwetter. Like I read, I read John Favreau, Classic who's the, who's the Obama um, uh, speechwriter, and he kept talking about don't be a bedwetter. Directed Iron Man, and I said, and when I read that, I said, like I am a bedwetter. That's exactly who I am. So I had to start embracing the bedwetter territory. But I've every seen, other poll says it's it's going to be seen some fine. Interesting thing on, things on polling. I saw a, an interesting case where they took one poll, exact same data, exact same thousand people polled, and they sent it to four different. Polling Institute. New York Times did that, I think. And said, give me the results. And they gave different results. Each one gave different results on who was leading, Trump or Clinton, and by what margin. Because what they're doing is they're not just taking the thousand people that responded, but they're taking the demographics of those people. It's a guess. Plugging them into the actual demographics of the geographic area that was polled, and they're trying to say, okay, based on the results that we got here, so let's say they got you know fifty five percent Hillary and forty five percent Trump, but then they look at the demographics and the demographics don't line up with the actual geographic area. They're yeah. going to now try to adjust those numbers based on not only the actual demographics of that area, but the likelihood that people in each demographic are going to well, vote. So there's all these factors that it's not the when you see a poll result, they're not telling you this is the exact number of people that responded in this way. They're saying based on the feedback we got, here's what we think it is. And right. I think that's the wind a silver bit. is more conservative than some of the others. Well, he just has a different model, and so what I'd like to say, this is one where being sports fans like we are is really helpful. Oh, sports. We've uh, got to get to sports. sports. Yeah. Them. Fuck. Uh, None uh, of the sports fans uh, are listening time, at this point. Is, if you're at the one hour and 15 minute mark, we're talking <laughs> about sports right now. But but it's like analytics, Yeah. and we know that analytics, like a Pakoda or, or some of the more sophisticated formulas, they make some assumptions Hopefully they're empirically based, but they're inherently, you know, there's going to be inherently margins of, of error there. You just, but why are Silver so fucking crazy? He'll have well, Nevada 60% Democrat and the next here's, day 60% Republicans, 20% here, swing. Here's why. Nate's model relative to the other models that are out there puts more weight on national polls that move state numbers. So in his case, in Nevada, for example, which as we tape this Saturday night, uh, to people on the ground in Nevada, looks like a solidly Democratic state that Nate has barely Republican. The reason is that the national polling has gotten closer between Clinton and Trump, and he is overlaying that on the poll results that have come forward for Nevada, whereas people on the ground in Nevada who analyze the actual 
early vote, because Nevada is an early vote state, are saying yep. it's a blowout for Clinton. Now, we'll see who's right mm-hmm. on Tuesday. But that's Nate's, Nate's defense of his model is we've done, we've looked back and empirically fluctuating state polls based on the national trends is empirically justifiable. He may be bullshitting us, but I assume he's not. And so what he's giving, but what he's giving us is, as Joey said, his take. This is not, this is a science, but it's a political science, which means that there's art to it. There's assumptions to it. There are polls out there that show Trump ahead. The USC Dornsife poll, mm-hmm. which gets, mm-hmm. it's getting a lot of attention because it's had Trump up the whole way, right. is getting a lot of attention. But you, it makes sense when you look at their assumptions. Their assumption going in, to Joey's point, was we are going to impanel people who, who overall match the 2012 split in the electorate between Romney and Obama. And the criticism of that is... 2016 is different. Like, there's well, more the criticism Latinos. is they found one 19-year-old black kid in Ohio who's voting for Trump. Well, and that, that's their, but that, and that, and that's just, I mean, that doesn't seem like a person who exists. But, but to put but it, it is. to put to put it in your world, Stu, that's how radio ratings work. Mm-hmm. Arbitron system has a panel, mm-hmm. and yes, if you get to the level of looking at a very small group, one person can affect that number tremendously. Yep. But the, the subgroup number, I think, personally, is less important than the aggregation of the whole sample. And in that case, the legitimate criticism of the Dornsife poll, the USC Dornsife poll, is it's stupid to assume that the 2012 electorate is the 2016 electorate for a couple of reasons. The electorate changes, and also, when you go based on uh, who people voted for, people remember or say who they voted for wrong. They tend to vote they tend to say they voted for the winner mm-hmm. even when they didn't. And so what you're likely to have is a more Republican sample because some of those Republicans are going to want to say that they voted for the winner. The, it's a human nature. It's not Republican fallacy. Democrats do the same thing. The two things that have been helping me sleep at night, the first one was that even if Trump's elected, he's not going to be able to do shit anyway. You guys have completely squashed that one. <laughs> The second one was that and Nate Silver's wrong. predictions, who I've I ride or die with Silver for the past eight years, are off a little bit because 2016 is different. And then if you look at the early voting, it's not his his projection. Uh, if you look at the early voting results in Nevada and North Carolina, uh, they've been fairly positive for for Hillary. Uh, and you now have made me sad about those as well. So this has been Nevada, like a terrible idea, and I'm sad about it, and I can't wait to get back to sports let, and let fuck all you, of you. Let, let me help you. <laughs> let me help you. I think you can bank Nevada. Now, uh, now maybe I'm over-relying on the guys on the ground there, but I think you can bank Nevada. I don't think you can bank North Carolina or Florida. Uh, but, but if you get Nevada and North Carolina, it's over. Yeah. Well, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but, like, does Clinton win? No, you win don't. It? You like Clinton, being that guy, Clinton, bastard. I don't, because I'm a diaper-wearing guy, too. <laughs> that's I'm true. I'm the biggest diaper-wearer here. Two diapers. Uh, I, here's what I think. I think Clinton's, if Clinton somehow loses Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, in some combination. Oh, that's incredible if she lost That's those. what I think. Yeah. I think yeah. the predominant mm-hmm. evidence is that, that she doesn't that lose those states. But I think Nate Silver, to, a, to an extent, is relying on 
you betting that... Put your microphone by your mouth. Oh, sorry. Nate Silver, to a certain extent, is relying on you uh, not buying even the possibility that any of those three events happen when the chance of one of those three events happening is not trivial. It's not Mm -hmm. likely, but Mm -hmm. it's not trivial. It's not nothing, yeah. But I would say, overall, I believe the firewall, except for maybe New Hampshire, I don't know, holds, which is the firewall for Clinton means she wins. Mm -hmm. So if she picks up states outside of her firewall, North Carolina, Florida, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, Iowa, she's that much stronger. If she loses a state behind the firewall, Maine, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. um, Minnesota. Minnesota, where Trump is coming, which seems fucking nuts. Then it makes her task harder, but not impossible. (laughs) All right, so we are going on long. I just want to, the last question is. uh, Don't ever have me on again, and you won't. Again, just (laughs) as as another disclaimer, we are recording this Saturday evening, so a lot of shit could happen. A lot of shit could have happened while we were recording this. I haven't gotten any alerts. Who the fuck knows? Can I make a sports analogy on here, too? Yeah, yeah. I think if Clinton wins, I'm going to tweet out that the FBI scored too soon. (laughs) <laughs> it's good it's good it's a good preview uh so look forward to david's tweet on twitter.com at d brower uh just a quick prediction uh how you think it's going to go i'll start i think that she uh i think that i uh soil three pairs of pants <laughs> on tuesday evening but she gets like 290 electoral votes and wins that's my uh, I'm going to say she wins with over 300 electoral votes. I, too, think she is going to win. I'm actually going to agree with Brandon. I think it's going to be under 300. I think it's going to be closer than I could ever want it to be. But I am hoping and praying that, yes, she is going to win. I think Hillary wins with about 290. That's where I've been, and I think she loses in four years. Oh, I love that. Actually, I don't like Hillary. Um, um, I think... Love That's great. That's Love a really it. good prediction. It's just That's one of those very good I, take that I, I think the Minnesota, Minnesota to Trump. <laughs> Minnesota to Trump and like Florida, Georgia, Arizona. And Texas to Hillary would be David, such calm a down. Fuck. It would be this is so, why you have a diaper on. It would be so oh, awesome. Well, think about where the white his people diaper hides his erection. <laughs> I predicted. I predicted. I predicted Trump would <laughs> win in January, and I'm sticking with that. Oh, Trump's going to win. Yeah, you guys, you're no. going to go with Trump. Yeah, Jesus. you're going to take the outlier. Right? I, I said it in January. I might as well stick with it now. I can't even imagine. Uh, well, just, now I'm soiling again. again. I can't imagine. Now I'm soiling. I can imagine the win. I can't imagine the. I really appreciate that, John. Thank you. I mean. Although, <laughs> that's fucking It, it would be something to see Jeff Dunham play an inaugural ball. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he'd get Brooks and Dunn, or just maybe Brooks? I don't know. It's a, both are a tough get, but he'll get the one guy from Big and Rich. I'm just that's waiting for, I'm big just waiting or for Stephen Baldwin to play big rich. Yeah, I think it's rich. the W.A. Frost mode. Stephen Baldwin's poetry on the inaugural oh, stand. All right, I think that's enough. Uh, Let's go watch the Timberwolves. Yeah, it felt great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're very sorry. And again, this was a trust-free, safe space, so don't judge us for anything that we just said.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.